Welcome to the Wildly Tarot Podcast. Hi, Esther. Hi, Holly. That sounded less enthusiastic than I actually am. I'm very enthusiastic. Oh, I'm yes, so you excited are. excited for recording this with you. Yay. <laughs> Mostly because, well, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is that we actually followed through with the Discord idea from Yay. last week. It's there. Blackmailing ourselves <laughs> works, everybody. <laughs> I know. Seriously, it's like the only way to get us to actually accomplish things is to announce it and then have people be like, hey, so uh, What's, where's this Discord about thing? that. <laughs> But anyway, so we're all still figuring it out together. But we do have a Discord, and Esther is going to put it in the show notes if you're a non-Facebook person. Uh, that would be a good way to still get to chat with us and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be Hopefully fun. Hopefully relaxed. Yeah. I made some rules. I'm like, what? Rules? <laughs> Who? Who are Me? we? <laughs> so it'll be fun. But it's already been kind of cool because there's like a pet page. I get to see a bunch of people's pets. Yeah. <laughs> In books, we've been talking about new decks that people have gotten in recently, and that's been fun to see new decks. Yeah. I like seeing people decks. Yeah, me too, obviously, or else we would not be insisting on showing people our decks all the time. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, look, deck, look, get over here. <laughs> Especially because there's like all these new Kickstarters. Somebody, I was following somebody who posted like six Kickstarters yesterday. Maybe, Ugh. was it Grounded by the Moon? Maybe Joseph? Grounded by the, yeah, he's really good at sharing stuff. And I was like, oh, what have you done I know. <laughs> there are so many literally launching July 7th. I'm, first of all, I'm like, okay, everyone consulted their astrologer for July 7th because that's a big day. Uh, is it? Apparently it is because there are like two or three that are launching that specific day. And I'm that's like, true. I'm like, you all, I am poor. I cannot yeah. buy all the decks. So can you just stagger? I can you get buy- like a schedule with each other and just kind of like stagger them My, a couple weeks? I mean, it's okay if all of them launch on the same day. I just need all of them to end in different months. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> just so our husbands don't look at the credit card and be like, why are that you have like $200 worth of Kickstarters in the month of August? Or just our own self-budgeting <laughs> isn't like, what, what happened? I always forget about, I mean, not forget about Kickstarters, but I always like... Don't think about how at some point you'll have to pay, pay for, for them. it. Yeah. <laughs> and until it like, cause I get a um, text message on my phone. It's like Kickstarter minus whatever amount of money. I'm like, Oh, there it goes. Okay. Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye. Miss you. Love you. Can't wait to see the deck in, in a like year. four months. Maybe if it's good. Yeah. Ex- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes really quickly. Actually this one that we got that we're reviewing today came fairly. Quickly, it did come really if fast. I remember yeah. Correctly. Yeah, it did. But anyway, all of this is to say, join our Discord yeah. if you're interested. Uh, but also, no pressure. You don't have to be there at all. No, exactly. <laughs> it's supposed to be We're fun. totally chill. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> We're totally chill. I have this shirt that says Chill Champion on it that I oh. got from like Old Navy or something on sale. And every time I wear it, Nathan calls me the Chill Champion the whole entire time. And I just feel <laughs> like I'm being mocked. I know how not chill I actually am. It's like, it's like way to go, Chill Champion. It's like, yeah, it's exactly. Like, I'm like, what? is this sarcasm or are you being sincere? <laughs> well, and I bought it as like an aspirational shirt. Oh, okay. Like maybe if I wear this, I'll be chill. But it turns out that it actually just does the opposite because I assume See, that everyone's everyone knows how unchill. Yeah, exactly. You should just wear it every day during cancer season because we all have no chill this cancer season. Oh my God. Absolutely not. I know. This is kind of like an astro heavy episode. I'm excited yeah. to talk about this deck because I think that a lot of the times people really like astrology decks mm-hmm. like visually, but aren't sure what to do with it. And I have gotten some amazing readings with this one. Yeah. So I feel like now is our chance to talk about it. Yeah. 
It's gonna be so fun. I love it. card of the day right you are pulling card of the day uh decks which deck would like to hang out with me today it's only for for it's only for one question deck just one question and that is yeah, what the question the card of the episode much of a for some reason i really want to use an oracle deck okay well then use it we have no rules you didn't make a rule That's about that true. so we're fine okay so this is the amenti oracle the feather heart deck oh yeah 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 have you seen it? I so think I pretty. sent it to some of our Patreons as yeah. Patreon gifts. Um, but super pretty. It's like, come for me. Yeah. Get over here. All right. So Oracle card for card of the day is not something that I think we've done. No, I don't think so. Episode here we first. go. Yeah, exactly. Episode what seventy nine? Yes. <laughs> the time has come. The time has kind. <laughs> time has come for us to diversify our card of the days. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, card of the episode is I am forgiving. Oh, that kind of fits with our question a little bit. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Well, let's see how this goes. I know. That's nice. As promised, we will update everyone about which organizations we're donating to with our monthly pledge. And this month, we are donating to... Uh, the Loveland Foundation, which is a therapy fund for black women and girls that was created by Rachel Cargill. And we're really excited yeah. to donate to this organization. Um, I think that, like, in addition to it being, like, a really awesome organization, I also have been spending a lot of time contemplating mental health access and how it relates to sort of COVID and the Black Lives Matter yes issues that are coming up right now and the feelings of isolation and sadness yeah. and hopelessness. And so any way that we can put some of our, just a few of our dollars to uh, alleviate some of that, um, obviously we want to. So we're really excited to be supporting the Loveland Foundation this month. Yay! And we'll link to them in the show notes if you would like to also contribute to the Loveland Yeah, I'd love that. That's so fun. Yeah, might as well. Get more eyeballs on them. Exactly. And no and that's Patreon. It. Now, <laughs> now, no, we don't have any Patreons. <laughs> moving on to our question. Woo-hoo. <laughs> we are moving forward. Our question for the episode is from Amanda, a.k.a. Art3Miss underscore tarot underscore journey on Instagram. <laughs> it's a stylized Artemis. <laughs> it is. Sorry, I was like, well, how do I, do I say it? Artemis tarot journey? And I was like, well, there's a three in there. So I don't want people to get the wrong person. <laughs> so she asks today in talking to my partner, she is black. I am white, both American. She said something about ancestors and it started clicking with me about how there's a lot of weird shit that white Americans have about ancestors. There are a lot of weird reactions white people tend to go into to deal with our shameful past. We might appropriate other people's ancestors' traditions, skip to our European country of origins traditions, and gloss over the terrible American bits. Be defensive and say all those things about slavery being in the past and why should I have to, or alternatively spiral into guilt and shame. That is a great summary of like several options that we have. That was good. 
(laughs) My partner was talking about white people who want to apologize to her in the current climate. And she feels like, quote, you don't need to apologize to me. Your ancestors need to apologize to my ancestors, unquote. And I was like, that's it. Those of us who are who are white in the tarot slash witchy slash mysticism community need to do ancestor work, but not in the way that is typically talked about of calling in the ancestors for support, but in calling in and calling out our ancestors for their atrocities. To work with our ancestors to start to heal the damage done in our lineage. Also, of course, I know that we have to do all the non-magical things and advocate and fight in the current day as well. But I was thinking it would be really good if someone created a spread for this type of ancestor work and encourage white people in our community to do it. But I don't have a p- public terror persona, nor am I great at creating spreads. I was just thinking about people I might reach out to with the idea when Esther's story, which um, my Instagram story involved an ancestor spread specifically created for black people by at Woman of Rivers. It's amazing. Oh, and cool. I shared that because she was giving readings to black individuals who wanted that reading and asking for donations to help with that. Oh, cool. So I'd share that story. Th- that story came across my feed. And I was like, yes, this, and yes, this, and also this. <laughs> <laughs> I love your enthusiasm, Amanda. <laughs> so I, I, yes, I love it too. <clears throat> so I am bothering you both here to see if you'd be interested in creating a spread for white people to do this kind of ancestor work. And we say, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for it. I, my initial reaction was one of a little bit of discomfort. I'm just going to be open about that because I think that's part of this whole healing process mm-hmm. uh, of kind of like white people recognizing the issues, you know, of the black experience in America. Right. Um, and like our own culpability and all of it. So my initial reaction was of discomfort because I don't do very much ancestral work. So I haven't been as like involved with sort of the other resources that people who want to participate in ancestor work, or that's a big component of the way that they practice tarot or witchiness or spirituality in general. I am not as tapped into sort of like the resources that exist because that's not something that I personally have been drawn to. Right. But I'm trying to put myself in a situation where I have, where I grow and learn and I do have a really like well, documented ancestral history because I have several aunts and great aunts who are really into that stuff. So I'm pushing myself because ancestor work is something that you've gotten a lot out of. And my own discomfort about my own practice is not enough of a reason to not create some really helpful spread in some way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll just start with that. Okay. (laughs) But do we want to start talking about the way in which we work with our ancestors um, and then move to deck creation stuff or sorry, spread creation stuff, deck creation stuff. <laughs> like, well. I'm telling on myself, <laughs> Esther. That's fine. Yes. <laughs> I have lots of feelings. So I'll let you go first. So I don't run over your feelings. Okay. So I, uh, don't do much ancestor work and I think it's partially maybe out of that idea that we jump to our most recent sort of like. European immigrant ancestry when we Mm -hmm. go to it. Like, I think that there's something that's all uh, in me that's always been really drawn to Greek stuff and Scottish stuff. And those are my two 
you know, most recent immigrant stories. My grandpa immigrated from Greece when he was a small child. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I think that like when I think about my own heritage, I tend to either think about my immediate ancestors or leap to like people who I don't know that much about. Um, so I don't really participate in it too much. And in fact, when, uh, about two years ago for Dia de los Muertos, one of my Latinx coworkers invited all of us to participate in an ofrenda in her office. And I like found all these old pictures of ancestors and I included them. And it was like, I loved it from a cultural perspective, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel any sort of like sparkliness from a spiritual perspective about gathering the stuff. Yeah. Um, and then most recently, I think another component of it is when, uh, you go towards ancestor work and then have a death in the family of somebody who is really young. Mm -hmm. It's hard to figure out how to incorporate them into the ancestor work. So because ancestor work has never really, you know, sparkled within me, it's almost easier to not have to find a place for my cousin who died last year. Right. Um, although he, is on my little like ancestor altar that is the leftover pictures from that Dia de los Muertos ofrenda right. that my coworker uh, like encouraged us all to participate in. So I have my own little ancestor altar still um, just to honor them, but I don't invoke them, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe that's a difference. I'm not invoking as much ancestral help and participation. Um So, yeah, I mean, even like with so one thing that I was thinking about when I was thinking about this yesterday um, is that uh, we don't know our ancestors that well. Like, we don't know these people as humans. Mm -hmm. And so I think that like the realization that through doing a bunch of research yesterday and just thinking about it a lot for the purposes of this episode is like. One thing that really hangs people up with ancestor work to me is that we don't know. We know that some of our ancestors were horribly abusive people interpersonally mm-hmm. because of like family history and right. like stories about so-and-so being terrible. And that's why, you know, grandma left or whatever. There's like all of those sort of interpersonal stories where some ancestors get cast in roles as heroes and some get cast in roles as villains. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking after kind of like looking at a lot of people's conversations online about this and stuff is that as a white person, knowing that there are ancestors in my past that did really horrible things, uh, it's just as a fact. And even Mm -hmm. if they weren't overtly horrible people, they still benefited from a system that benefits white people over people of color in all regards. And so like, even if, you know, my great, great grandma who wrote all those really funny, sassy little sayings books, Mm -hmm. even if she was a really wonderful person and she was like an early, you know, proto feminist and all of this stuff, which I don't know if she was a really wonderful person. (laughs) I certainly have not heard that from anybody. Yeah. But, No matter what, she still benefited from, like, kind of the society that values, like, white femininity so much. So that's another thing. I think, like, just when you're going into ancestor work, thinking about, like, what's preventing you from digging into your own ancestry, I guess, is helpful. So anyway, all of that is to say, I think we'll probably talk about this a little bit more when we actually start creating the spread. But all of it is to say, 
this is not really part of my practice. And like last week when I was dealing with some grief stuff about my cousin, I was trying to invoke some ancestors through tarot reading, like just kind of like ancestors, let me know what's going on. Right. And I got really nothing out of it. Yeah. And then when I switched it back to my normal mindset of kind of universal guidance and like how I visualize my own sort of tarot energy, mm-hmm. it was a very good reading. Yeah. So I just think that like there's some blockage there for me. So I'm always curious to hear about how other people connect with their ancestors in that way, but it just isn't something that works in my practice. Yeah. But tell me about yours. Okay. Cause I know that you get a lot out of it. I wrote a, I wrote a whole thing because I didn't want to get oh, off track. You didn't just wing it like no. me and get totally off track. Like no, me. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, because I just have a lot to say, a lot to say, and I didn't want to get off track and get distracted. So, okay. Awesome. So well, I, I can't wait to hear about so it. So I start with buckle up. I have a lot of feelings. So, oh gosh, <laughs> we are extensions of our ancestors. So I think that it's sort of our responsibility to take a look into our histories and a realistic one and mm. to begin the work. If we claim to be allies, but don't do the work in our own lives, then our allyship is just for show, just from the beginning. Some people will say my ancestors did this, not me, but their blood flows through us and their influences reaches through the generations. And by us ignoring this legacy, we take part not only in passing it on to our children, but also allowing these beliefs to continue to run unchecked in our own lives. It is our responsibility as white people to unsettle the work that our ancestors built before us and that we have knowingly or unknowingly propagated in our own life. This not only means dismantling the work here and now, but also disrupting it in the spirit world. That's our responsibility. I'm kind of like starting it with that and then going to go into personally. Okay. So... I'm very, very, I have feelings. Yes. And so I'm trying to work through those while you talk. Yes. So just, <laughs> just wait. I'm not, going. that's just the beginning. Also, because you're a white does not mean you also did not med- benefit from years of oppression of BIPOC people. So even if your history is absolutely clean, our society as a whole is not. So in doing. Well, and also what does absolutely clean even right. fucking mean? Yeah. You know, yeah. that's not a thing. No. <laughs> So in doing work of unsettling, it is necessary even if your history is filled with abolitionists and people who fought for the right side of the war. I do not believe when family passes away that they are automatically enlightened and come to an understanding of truth. I believe that they were racist in life and they are racist in death, and that unless we do the work of calling down our own ancestors and doing the work in our own bloodlines, that they will stay that way. In my life, there are Confederate soldiers, likely slave owners, and at best racists who believe themselves to be, to be better than others, just based on the fact that their skin tone was white. I've done the research. I have seen the pictures. It's something I've struggled with for years with because how can I honor family members for pieces of shit? So, (laughs) I mean, that was literally a question I struggled with for years. Yeah. So around the same time, probably about a month and a half ago, Jessica from House of Hoodoo and Michael from Old Ways came out with very powerful posts on how we as white people and descendants of oppressors have responsibility to call down our ancestors and their generations of hate, and how to begin the process of healing that line. And I will link those posts in the show notes. I also want to note that unsettling is a phrase I learned from Marissa de la Pena. Decolonizing is something that we as white people cannot do. That is specifically for people who we as white people have oppressed. Have colonized. Yeah. Like what's decolonizing when our ancestors are the ones who were colonized. Exactly. So that is called unsettling. We as white people unsettle. Um, one Sunday, a few weeks ago, I set up shop on my altar and I had to come to Jesus meeting with the ancestors where I chewed them out. (laughs) 
and basically said if they wanted to be remembered ever again, that they best set their asses down and never partake in the worldly energies that influence generations. Um, Interesting. So I guess I didn't, it didn't really occur to me that the way that you're working with ancestors is that they have existing energies. Yes. Like that can grow and change. Yes. Like that never occurred to me in ancestral work. I always thought it was more of like a stagnant energy that you were drawing back to not that they could like learn and change in the realm that they're in now right they uh, never occurred to me interesting this was from jessica from house of hoodoos because she was talking about how when we don't address these energies these energies kind of feed the energies that are here now like if we don't call down our ancestors and if we don't take care of our own people then they their energy is still able to kind of run rampant and it was really it was a really good post from her um kind of giving those of us who are struggling with our ancestral heritage um kind of a path forward and i so after i called them down i chewed them out i cussed them out probably for about a good half hour if not 45 minutes um and the next week i was setting up my altar again i was doing the summer solstice um altar change and I had never, ever felt like the ancestral presence before. I've always looked into the lineage lines and maybe felt there was something in the matriarchal line, but I wasn't sure. And I have a copy of Evangeline given to me by my grandmother and a handkerchief from my great-grandmother. And I put them and displayed them with my candles. And all of a sudden, I felt this whoosh of energy of oh, cool. sort of like them confirming that there's hope in this matriarchal line that I can pursue in working with them. Um, I only, I sincerely only invite ancestors who not only wish me well, but who want to partake in that change, who will step back and recognize that sort of, um, that, that that's the only way we're going to have a relationship Yeah, that's a good strategy. So um, just all that to say, I'm still in the midst of this process and I'm not any authority. But this is like people go into it and it's always going to be messy and difficult. But it's a work that we have to do as white people, especially if we have any sort of healing sort of um, practice in mind, whether we're healing ourselves or healing others. This is something that is long overdue with us addressing in the community. Yeah, I got. I think for me, I like obviously. I don't know if you can say I don't consider myself a spiritual bypasser. I don't know if that's something you can <laughs> assign to yourself, but I generally like really do try to push myself. That's one of the reasons why we're even talking about this now. But I literally had never even thought about ancestral energy as being something that could like change and fluctuate, mm-hmm. and that those people that are in our family lineages would be people with, I think, I think that that's just kind of like where this crosses from being like a, like tarot thing to a general spirituality thing, Mm -hmm. because I don't know where I stand on feeling like my ancestors are like active energies, uh-huh. you know what I mean? But maybe that's also why there's always been more of a block for me in that area. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just given me a lot to think about. And I also can see why somebody saying like, you know, I like ancestor, I can see why saying the things that I am now saying right. could lead to that mindset of like, Oh, love and light only mm-hmm. like, you know, blah, 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 right. blah. I could see where 
my what I'm currently saying about my own practice could then be sort of like continued on further into a really, really awful toxic place. Right. I think that I avoid that because I really don't feel like love and light only. Like I really <laughs> do think that digging into in deep to the shadows is like really valuable and good. Yeah. But to me, it hasn't been that much about ancestry. Yeah. But then I also think that there's like components of like how you already felt about your ancestors and also sort of like, so for example, I have a much stronger lineage through my mom and my mom's mom and my mom's mom's mom. And like that matrilineal line Mm -hmm. is really the one that's the most well-documented. We've like, you know, shared a lot of things through that line, like actual physical, tangible items and also papers and documents and pictures. I'll kind of go through that matrilineal line um, and she is from Philadelphia and her family had lived in the North in Philadelphia for like generations and generations. Right. And so that's going to feel really different than my mom's mom's dad's side. Who's from South Carolina mm-hmm. and they may have like a totally different. And I think that the other problem with talking about this is that like, like, do you remember that show, um, on PBS, like genealogy show? Oh Yeah. I can't remember what it was called, but anyway, it was fantastic and I totally loved it. But there were like all of these situations where like, uh, what's his name? Ben Affleck. Oh yeah. 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 His found out that he had slave owning ancestors and like, (laughs) basically the show cut his segment Uh because he, they didn't want to bring embarrassment to him, but it's like, you have to know that if that's part of your history, you can be really embarrassed about it and ashamed about it. But all you can do now is try to like make up for it or not even make up for it, but like make sure that you're doing everything you can to support groups that your ancestors hurt basically. And so like, I think it's also hard because there's the dual thing of like, you know, contributing to anti-racism work now. And to me, it's always not been necessarily linked with ancestral work because Mm -hmm. I don't do that much ancestral work. So anyway, it's, it's just like you have them so like your Venn diagram of ancestral work and anti-racism work is, you know, like much more overlapping right. than mine. Yeah. Because I don't, I haven't had that same like ancestral draw. So it's interesting to talk about this with you because even though we talk about ancestor work, I guess I didn't really see it in the same, I didn't really see that you were doing so much or I guess understand that you were doing so much educating right. your ancestors in addition to drawing on them in other ways. Yeah. It see, this is why writing everything down first is helpful because I am <laughs> rambling. Esther. Well, I just knew that I um, would just spiritually vomit over the mic and it would not be helpful to anybody at that point. Um, if you didn't write stuff right. down. And there are some, there are some people, I believe what is the something ans- Oh, venerating the ancestors book. I think she comes to the mindset that your ancestors are pure and clean whenever they pass over. But that they become, they become pure that. And clean. Yeah. But that's a very, to me, Catholic thing. It's a very purgatory yeah. Catholic thing. And that's not something yeah. I, there's not proof of that essentially, other than, you know, some mythological writing. So I'm not going to attribute my slave owning ancestors to just magically, you know, saying, oh, that was pure. That was, that was very wrong of me. I'm so sorry. If after death I discovered yeah. this, like too late, asshole, you know, like. <laughs> 
I mean, look at what we've done with our founding fathers. Everyone's like, well, George Washington might have owned enslaved people, but, but he's okay. He also freed some some of them upon his death. Yeah. It's just like you can try to make excuses for people all you want, but they don't become saints just because exactly. they're dead. Right. So, I to me, when Jessica made that post, it was it clicked. I was like got it so that I actually can be responsible and do something with this personally and I've had lots of conversations with Jamie Sawyer about this and others about this because we are actively dismantling work from our ancestries because I think it's Mm -hmm. also different because I've lived in the south I from blood in the south and so the evidence is exactly right there in my face and the point that I was trying to make before I got so distracted by everything was that I think if you grew up in the same area as your like uh, as your immediate ancestors, like mm-hmm. as your grandparents or as a long line of ancestors, like if you all your whole family has lived in the same town for generations, right. then that's going to probably feel a little bit more present in your life mm-hmm. than if you have always been sort of away from them. Like my as as Californians, I'm sure a lot of us have had this experience. Like I, I still have had family that's been in California for a really long time, but I didn't grow up in the same town as my grandparents. Mm -hmm. And so I love them. Obviously they're my grandparents. I think they're interesting people. I like talking to them, but also they didn't have as much of a presence in my childhood because we lived like 350 miles away. We saw them a couple times a year, like that sort of idea of, the connection to your like even biological past Mm -hmm. is something that didn't really, I mean, despite my closeness with my cousins, despite my closeness, closeness with my grandparents on both sides, that kind of didn't super occur to me until my cousins started having kids. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh, there is this sort of like, like deep, like I've, I haven't met some of my cousin's children yeah. and yet I obviously still love them and I feel <laughs> this connection and that helped sort of like in the stupidest way. It's a, it sounds so dumb saying it out loud, but it helped me like connect the idea that there's like this shared ancestry. Yeah. And that's something that didn't occur till I was in my twenties <laughs> because I always have lived so far away. Like I didn't right. have, I have a ton of cousins. I have like 15 cousins and I didn't live within hundreds of miles of any of them growing up. So there's like all of these sort of levels of like where your family's from, how close you are phys- like geographically and emotionally as two separate components to that family. And like there's just all these components to the ways that you explore your family lineage. Mm-hmm. And I think that like it's easy if you have lived far away to sort of divorce yourself from that. Like yeah. to not really recognize that the echoes of things that your grandparents, great grandparents, et cetera, have done or gone through is something that still is impacting you. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's like not trauma related. Like my mom has a good relationship with her mom and I have a good relationship with my mom. And so there isn't like that sort of thing. Like, you know, my mom was totally traumatized by my grandmother. And now I have this feeling about my grand, like that right. just doesn't exist. So I think it's easier to separate the idea of growing and teaching with your ancestral line, because there isn't like an initial hurt that you're trying to heal. And mm-hmm. a lot of the ancestor tarot spreads that I have found in the past are about healing from ancestral trauma. Uh huh. And I think that 
and that can be sort of like societal trauma or interpersonal trauma. I feel like most of the spreads I found focus on healing interpersonal generational trauma. Yeah. And that's not something, I mean, weirdly, that's not something that I feel that much of a connection to, despite the fact that my dad's dad had an entire second family, <laughs> like secretly. That's pretty traumatic for my yeah, family, but yeah. also like it's, I can feel kind of disconnected from it in some way. So I don't yeah. know. This is a really interesting conversation. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. With me. I think also there's a part of it is an awareness, like growing up in the South, there's this awareness that you may not get about your ancestral lineage, like specifically being slave owner, specifically being confessional soldiers like you yeah. where other people who like you know who live maybe in the north they may have to dig a little harder and a little deeper to get those roots out where mine yeah. is oops i knocked my mic where mine is a lot more <laughs> obvious because i talk with my hands of course because we need yeah. to talk yeah. podcast where mine is a lot more obvious and a lot more societally like harmful like obviously harmful where yeah. you know some some of it may be just ideas that people picked up over time like my grandparents on my mom's side they lived up in the north they were from you know welsh stock german stock and that's what they would say you know where they they came <laughs> they came over like in the early 1900s and but yet they still had racist ideas and they would yeah. say certain things so some of it is one of the things that i i almost want to push back a little bit because i think that we excuse Northerner. I mean, I always have found that California or Westerners and Northerners feel like racism is like somebody else's problem yeah. issue. <laughs> like the South has racism, but we don't. We're abolitionists. Right, right. Like, but that's not at all true. And every single state has like horrifying racist paths, which, which is something that's like not within the scope of this <laughs> podcast. But I do want to like, because I know that this is going to be a we're going to have to like take days off of work to facilitate conversations. <laughs> well, I mean, we're just, just saying it's, this is like a worldwide problem. This is not just yeah, something exactly. that's specifically to America. There are other countries that did slave or trade. Or to the American South, right, I South, guess. Like, yeah. I, I just feel like you're taking a lot of like, like blame, not blame, <laughs> but like you're taking a lot of, I guess, pressure off of other people by saying that being in the South made it so that you had to deal with that oh, stuff. No. Like everyone should we be dealing with Not that stuff? All. And that wasn't intended. It was more of just like, no, saying I know ours I know. is more obvious. Well, yeah, you have people who are flying Confederate flags, flags and ways have that people it in, in state California flags, don't. you know, sort of things. <laughs> so where, you know, so that may I be still... reflecting back with like your struggle with, doing some of that work is it's not as obvious. And so, yeah. so getting those roots may not be as easy quote unquote, as it is for me. So, well, yeah, yeah. And also just, I think that the distance, like my, I just got put in charge of the family tree. So <laughs> now I probably will be beginning that journey. I still don't know if I would like invoke ancestors. Yeah. Stuff. Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't really invoking sounds to me like, you know, you have them, your, their presence, like you're meeting in front of you. To me, oh no, I meant like their energy their to energy. help. Like when you're doing okay. like magical work, you're drawing on ancestors' like, yeah. help. Yeah, right. So I asked yeah, them that, to. I don't know if I'll do. I that. asked them to, to like come and like bless the thing. I don't. I don't have any mm-hmm. specific personalities. Like I don't know if it's Grandpa Joe or Grandma Louisa or anything. It's just a generic <laughs> like ancestral field, like a force yeah. field. I guess is kind of the feeling I get. Interesting. So anyway, we've been talking about this forever, so <laughs> we should start working on the spread, right? Or unless you have anything else you want to do. No, add. but I already have 
five positions for a possible spread. So. Oh, damn, girl. I told you. This is like, okay, when I went to sleep last night, I said, hey, maybe start thinking about this ahead of time so that we're not going into it totally cold. And then I wake up to record and Esther's like, well, I did it. Well, you told me to think about it and I really thought about it all afternoon. And this is I what know, I, got. I love it. I just feel bad. No, it's fine. This is like the time zone difference because Esther, it's the end of her, her day. day and so when i went to sleep she had like seven hours of alone time <laughs> to be able to ponder this over <laughs> all right let's hear them i can't okay wait to hear so it. i um did uh, so unearthing and that is the negative influence from my ancestors so it's like taking like one negative influence from your ancestral heritage and dealing at with it at a time because okay. you can't like get all these five different things and no. handle them but one at a time I is think doable that that's like an important thing to meant to like say explicitly about all anti-racism work and really spiritual work in general yeah. is that you cannot ask yourself to figure it all out immediately. Yes. Like that goes against every, every single philosopher of all time. There's like never ever a flashpoint moment where everything is understood. Right. Even like Nirvana. That's not what Nirvana is. <laughs> yeah. Like you're always learning and you're always changing and you're always growing. And then maybe you'll get to a point where you understand everything about your life, maybe. yourself and we'll your see. life and the world. It's not even but probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so it's one thing at a time. One thing at a time. So the first one is like an unearthing, and that would be the negative influence from my ancestors. Awesome. Second is dismantling how to correct my ancestors. So to me, this is like physically like talking to them out loud. How do you correct that behavior in them? So okay, that's, so like, that's the only that's that yeah. Scene. Okay, let's go through all of so it. So then we'll go back through them. Yeah, what we were talking about just with like the if that's some like if your understanding of ancestors is them as, as like physical energy changeable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Okay. The third one is atoning. How to make amends for it? Because I think that there's like some sort of in and this sort of work. I think there needs to be some sort of like amends to be made and some yeah something totally. like that. Um, four is restoring how to heal this part of my lineage and okay. five is an awakening. What am I responsible for changing as I move forward? I like that final one a lot. Yeah. So, and I knew that we could talk about these or add whatever you had thought in or morph around, but that was what I kind of had as a possible spread idea. Uh yeah, I think the only thing that I have a qualm about is the dismantling. But also, since I'm not somebody who... But maybe, I mean, I guess who's the spread for would be anybody, whether they have your view on ancestors or, or mine. Yeah. So maybe we could change the wording slightly so that it yeah, could be Yeah, it could be like correcting my ancestors or their be that behavior in myself, maybe. Because that, that thing is kind of still in you, essentially. Like... If it makes any sense. So maybe how to correct ancestors legacy or something. Let's see. Or does that make it sound too much like the awakening place? Um, so dismantling is kind of like taking apart what that is essentially like yeah. what's wrong with that. How not only was that wrong in the past, but how is that influencing me now sort of thing? And how can I correct that in myself and perhaps my ancestors, if that's your relationship with them. So it's kind of like correcting I, the negative so, but influence. Yeah, I guess the problem, though, then is just that that also, if people don't have the view that ancestors are like 
changeable things that can learn and grow now, then that would then become really similar to the restoring and awakening Well, maybe section. they can just remove that part if they don't like it. I'm not, okay. I'm not so saying that like we'll bitterly. I'm just saying that that's like a, that's like an optional one. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Why don't spreads do that more? Why don't we ever have like Optionals? optionals? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that would be helpful, but I, yeah. okay. So I think that that's a good idea. So maybe we would just put a little caveat at the bottom like, of the graphic. Th- or like a says, star that's asterisk that says this one is optional if your ancestor. Depending yeah, on how you work, work with, with your ancestors, ancestors this, this doesn't optional. have to be yeah. a part of it. Yeah. And then we can just direct people to listen to our conversation in the podcast. Right, exactly. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Well, you just did the job for me, Esther. We did it. Yay. (laughs) I didn't have to think about this at all. (laughs) But I just want, before we like uh, move on to the deck review, I just think that it's important. So I really like this. And I think that we definitely will do this individually. Oh, yeah. And also make a graphic. Because it's too raw for me to do it on the podcast. So. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So we'll post an image without explanation. But that's the thing about creating a spread like this is that I think that there can be a lot of like performative Mm-hmm. stuff that people can do and I this is actually kind of more of a testament to all of Instagram tarot stuff but like you're not required to post everything that you pull yes. on Instagram yeah or even explain it so if you want to pull this spread and you get a really good reading out of it and then you want to just not even mention that it's this spread yeah or whatever that's fine with us we don't need credit for this we're not creating this for clout we're creating this to help people grow right um, so don't freak out about that. Don't be worried about that. And then the other thing is that there's a lot of discourse about kind of like breaking down what the viral meme of like, we're the daughters of the witches you couldn't burn oh, yeah. comes from. And so we just want to be super clear that for the most part, uh, your ancestors, including mine, I mean, I like always feel like Scotland is such like a spiritual center for me. Like yeah. every time I'm there, I'm like, oh my God, this is so wonderful. And then I read about the incredible amount of witch trials uh-huh. and like killing of witches that happened in Scotland. And I'm like, why do I feel this connection? It's so <laughs> weird. But the idea that all of us who practice now are somehow from the line of people who were persecuted rather than the line of people who were persecuting is overly simplistic. Yes. So even if you feel like you're one of the good ones and your ancestors weren't bad white people, the way that maybe our ancestors were bad white people, mm-hmm. this could still be really valuable because it's unlikely right. that ev- like Esther said, that all of us have these like pure ancestors <laughs> without any problems. Yeah. That's just completely impossible. Right. So even if it's just like, like my grandfather who immigrated from Greece as a small child, like had all of these wild experiences as a little kid trying to figure out a way to be safe and basically assimilate to the United States. And then as an adult had a whole entire secret second family. So people are complex. Like they can both have experienced trauma as young people experienced hardship as young people and still then have problematic behaviors later. Right. So don't feel like you're, shitting all over your heritage right by digging into ancestor work i guess yeah it's like even though i don't do it that much it's still so important to recognize that we're not criticizing unfairly our ancestors we're just shining a light on them yeah by working with them and for me this is just something that is has become so important as a practice and it's not that i talk to my ancestors as ancestors every day but it's something where it's I'm there's a constant awareness and a constant 
like attitude of being like learning and growing and doing better than what my ancestors are and were and holding not only them accountable, but me accountable to change that. And I think that's really, really important for us to recognize. We can't just as people who use tarot or who is spiritual community, we just can't kind of blindly walk through this life assuming that we are not a part of it because we are. Yeah. So I guess I think that the reason that that just kind of gets to me is because it didn't occur to me that not working with ancestors was making me more bought into upholding dangerous things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, I feel weird about it being like a, like if you're not teaching your ancestors how to be better, then you're not I, I think doing anti-racism, right? I guess that's kind of just where I'm getting hung up on it. But I think that's yeah. partially because I've never considered my ancestors entities that could change right. and learn. And so that idea of me teaching my ancestors something has not crossed my mind. Yeah. Like that literally is not something that I ever, ever consider. Yeah. And part of it is, that's a new part for me is that teaching my ancestors, but also sort of just recognize, like seeing my past and seeing that lineage, because this is like multi-generational. This isn't like, you know, my grandmother, just my grandmother. This is not just my great grandparents. You know, this is something that's in our history as European people essentially, because yeah. that's where I think it, you know, just going back even, um, there's always been a sense of privilege because of us, you know, and so I think Well, it's, yeah, and I think that that's, maybe that's like my problem with it is that I acknowledge all of those things yeah. and still didn't put, put it, it into it, my, ancestral into work. my like, yeah, yeah into yeah. ancestral work. So like, it's, I think it's hard because there's like, such a huge spectrum. And so like, even though I am really aware of all of those things uh-huh. and I can even recognize them in my ancestors, it didn't occur to me to try to teach them yeah. or to like dig into, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's a lot to think yeah, about. I don't think to, I think it, yeah. we'll ever have any answers, Yeah, and but I did explore, find a podcast so. that I really, that somebody suggested in a Facebook group that I'm in that I listened to a couple of episodes of yesterday called bespoken bones. Oh yes, yes, yes. And, it's really interesting. Basically the host brings people on to talk about ancestor work. So there's a lot of different like cultural perspectives and historical perspectives. And I majorly have enjoyed listening to the couple of episodes that I listened to on that. Yeah. Um, so check it out. Yeah. And it, this is something that is deeply personal to all of us. So my journey with my ancestors may not look like your journey with your own ancestors and that's okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, you've you're, got to figure you it out yourself. Me so much today. So. <laughs> now you're on your own. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. It's something you have to work out on your own anyway. I mean, ancestor work is like nobody has the same, even your siblings right. have different experiences with it. So, yeah, exactly. It's not something you can be led through with other people. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, what an episode. Yeah. I guess we should review our deck. Huh? <laughs> Yay. I'm so excited about this deck. So, we better review it. All right, so on to our deck review. We're doing an oracle deck this week. Uh, We are talking about Astro Soul Oracle by Maria Prana. And this is what she says about her thought process behind the deck. She says, Astrology is the written language in the stars used since ancient times to help humanity connect with the essence of our soul and fate. Before modern astrology took place, nope, before modern astronomy took place, (laughs) astrology, alchemy, and mathematics were all enclosed under the subject of philosophy, which was then used to define 
the different areas of our life. Being someone who is 50% rational and 50% emotional, astrology allowed me to incorporate my spiritual practice inside of a system substantial enough and widely studied enough over centuries and with sufficient historical background to support my belief system while also helping me to connect with others and everything around me. There are no coincidences in this universe and everything serves its purpose. So this was a Kickstarter deck. Yes. Um, it was one where like Esther, I texted Esther 15 times because she was still asleep Sleep. to be like, I'm buying this for us now. Well, I think the thing, <laughs> I think it is where I had immediately supported on Kickstarter and then you were like, oh yeah, to buy it. And well, I was we're like, buying two. <laughs> she's like, we're buying two. I was like, okay, well I will unsupport mine then. <laughs> yeah. You, Esther unsupported herself so that we could support as a group. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's so, sometimes Kickstarter campaigns have like deals yeah. if you buy two. And since we're two people, it's, it works sense. out for us shipping. Hey, <laughs> exactly. Um, where you can find this, basically just the website, astrosoldeck.com. There's not like a link to any additional stockists or anything. So that would be the best place to go. Yes. Um, how it physically is, it's 62 cards. They are standard card sized. They're super matte and really... Here's the problem with describing card textures to me. I would call this rose petal. No, this is not rose petal. Rose petal is the really soft mat that sticks together. Like I know, but that's what I'm fate. saying is that it feels the same as a lot no, of decks that we've called rose petal before. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Logan and I will have this conversation. We we, we will help you realize Do you have an example of what rose petal actually is? Okay, so the Threads of Fate, the original edition. I don't have that one. You don't have... Yeah, you do. We reviewed it for the podcast. Did you... Are you sure you don't have that one? I thought you had that one. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> So ah, that so has like away. a okay to me that texture is like a soft fuzzy texture. It's a like slightly oh, okay. fuzzy. This is matte, okay. but like a like a soft slidey matte. It's like fully matte, not like matte in in like fuzzy peach fuzz matte. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Sorry. So so it's not peach fuzz. Or it's not rose <laughs> petal. It is. It is just, just matte. solid matte, yes. and my dumb fingers can't tell the difference. But <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> Uh, I love that we renamed Rose Petal to Peach Fuzz. Can we just have a thing? <laughs> sure, whatever. This it's is our own parameter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Peach Fuzz. Uh, it has gold foil as the only color. It's a blue deck with gold foil, which is why we both were so drawn to it, because those are like two of our favorite things. <laughs> I'm so glad that they went with the matte edges yes. instead of doing a gold edge. The matte edge is so And the matte edge has also much a little on the side, too. So it's like a little sparkle sparkle oh does it yeah did you not look at the sparkle on this edge here mine doesn't have sparkle really do you think that maybe it's your gold it's just the gold flaking in the box doesn't matter because to me it's magical so yeah (laughs) all right i'll take it yeah i guess there's i don't see any sparkles but maybe i just need to look at it in different light okay um but yeah blue matte it's just like generally a matte blue deck with a lot of shiny shiny gold uh, it comes with a super detailed guidebook with a lot of information about all the, the core elements, which is very helpful, yes. incredibly helpful, um, as well as some spreads and also how to cast a transit. The box is a, like just a this great, is, okay. sturdy two-piece box. The box is more rose petally. Feel this box. They feel really similar They're to not. The, okay, I guess actually I do. Yeah, I can this feel is more like of a rose petally sort of finish. It's not total rose petal. 
It just seems like such a minute difference to me, but I guess. But you can't really shuffle rose petal. That's our, that's what Logan and I rant about all the time. The shuffling and like the actual like dealing of the cards you can't do. Yeah. I guess because I just do only overhand and then also don't ever fan Fan cards unless I'm reading for somebody else. It just doesn't doesn't, impact me very much. That's so funny. I guess there's like a very slight texture difference. I'll try shuffling threads of fate to see what I get out of it. Right. And yeah. Uh, so it's an Oracle deck. So the construct variations are that it does not follow the traditional tarot deck four suits in a major arcana, but it is still broken into star signs, houses, planets, asteroids, aspects, nodes, eclipses, retrogrades, and vertex, as well as all the different phases of the moon, um, which she says can be divided into another Oracle deck in and of itself. But I really like utilizing it mm-hmm. with the actual cards. Cause it's kind of fun to have some timing thrown in there. Right. Um, there's obviously no cultural components because there aren't any humans or even human adjacent figures. Right. Uh, but it does do sort of like a Western astrology, um, mindset. Right. Yes. It is, like I said, just blue and gold. I think that, okay, so this is where we can start talking about the idea of astrology decks in general. The levels of readings that it's appropriate for. I love astrology decks visually. Mm -hmm. I want them all the time. Obviously, I have Arcana of Astrology. I have Compendium of Constellations. But I still feel like those are a little bit more classic oracle decks rather than an astrology deck. Yes. Uh, Arcana of Astrology is a little bit more astro focused, but, and I think the new edition will be much more because it also, because Claire did all the house cards for it. Right. Um, which I think is public information, right? Yeah. 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 She posted it. Okay. Fine. Okay. okay. <laughs> like, uh, oh, uh, was that a surprise? Well, and there's a, going to be also a guidebook with that as well. Arcana. Right. Right. Yeah. But I think that the, the, what makes this so specifically an astrology deck is all of those transits. Mm-hmm eclipses there's like all the like it's just very 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 extensive some of the cards even have like all the house cards even have little paragraphs about that house yes uh which for if you're not super familiar with astrology you're like what in the hell does that even mean but i actually think that that's kind of the explanation on the card and the book being so well written is what transitions this from being like a intermediate like a high intermediate to like a high intro yes because it's so well explained. So I think you wouldn't really be able to, if you were a total novice to astrology and card reading, it would be really hard for you to use this deck. But having the little white book be so explanatory turns it into something that somebody who's more of a beginner could use. Yes, yes. I I was thinking the same thing, where this is a pure astrology deck where if you don't know anything about astrology or if the way that you've learned astrology in the past doesn't click with you, this helps compartmentalize things so well visually. Yeah, totally. Like for me, this is a really great deck and the book is super, super detailed and the cards themselves like help assist you with the reading of things. So I think this is a great intro to not only like, not only can you use it as an Oracle deck, but I think as if you're into astrology and you want to dive deeper into that practice, this would be a really yeah. great tool for you to have because this to is understand stuff. Yeah. This is a really great, like support system created like here for you. You don't need to have classes or anything. You can have visually components right here. Look in the book. The book is super well detailed and yeah. not have to worry about things. 
So I was thinking that one thing to do that we could do is do like a quick little self-reading, just like, mm-hmm. you know, something happy to share with the world or whatever okay. to show. Because I think what people get hung up on with Astro decks is if they have like a small amount of astrology information, then they're going to think too hard about the relationships between the houses and right. the signs or whatever. And if one of, if you know, you get two signs, how do you read it in that case or whatever? So I, uh, I'm just going to pull three cards. And I think in this deck, if you're using it as a, as a true Oracle deck, pulling three is helpful because Mm -hmm. then you have a lot of information to sort of come up with a message from having just one card could be a little bit less directive. Yeah. Um, so that would be helpful if you're trying to teach yourself one component of astrology, but if you're trying to use it, at least I have found for like an actual reading, it's helpful to have two or three, kind of like Lenormand. Right. Like looking at the relationships between the cards gives you a more dynamic understanding of what is going on. Oh, yikes. I just threw the <laughs> waxing crescent across the room. Okay, you? so I'm just going to go with let's have a positive message for our listeners. And oh, got the cancer card. Hey. <laughs> Okay, so I got the Cancer card, the Waxing Gibbous card, and the North Node card. So one thing you could do would be just like Lenormand, using the Waxing Gibbous as the sen- the second card pulled as like the subject. Yeah. Or no, uh, yep, subject. subject. And then the other two as the modifiers. like kind of modifiers. Thank you. I was going to say... Some totally other word. <laughs> or you can just kind of like use them all together. I think since it's cancer season still, it's mm-hmm. easy to use cancer as the subject and the waxing gibbous and north node as the uh, modifiers. But basically what you would do is you would open your book. The cancer section says the fourth sign of the zodiac cancer has a strong connection with nurturing and mothering others, expressing feelings and looking for comfort in safe places such as their home. Ruled by the moon, Cancerians can be extremely sensitive towards others in their environment, acting like a sponge soaking up every emotion. When out of balance, Cancerians can be moody and reclusive in order to hide from uncomfortable situations. <laughs> Esther. Are you sure? I was like, are you sure that this card pool is just not for me? Like, is that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. I mean, my sister and my mom and you all have such strong cancer in you that it's something that I'm very comfortable with. But that is why sometimes I'll message you and be like, Hi, hey, okay? tap, tap, Hello. tap, tap. <laughs> no, get out of my shell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not ready for this. Okay. So then like if you were somebody who really had a great understanding of the nodes, then you'd mm-hmm. be able to say, oh, the North Node is about destiny because it says destiny on the top. Right. I still don't totally understand the nodes, even though I've had readings specifically done about them. But the idea is that the north, the south node is historical, mm-hmm. like what's been in done past. in past lives or in your life or whatever. And then the north node is more aspirational. And so with the wax and gibbous meaning about refinement, nurture, patience, and evolution, paired with cancer, it's kind of like this reading would be like using the cancer season to refine what your goals are mm-hmm. would be the way that I would read these three cards together. Yeah, I like it. It's yeah, really nice. And obviously, like with anything, there's a lot of different definitions that can be ascribed to all of these things. So it just sort of is whatever pings for you. Right. But I know that for us, like interpersonally between you and me, how we've been interacting with people this cancer season, 
it feels really like sort of defining what the ultimate goals are has been something that we've been doing together as a podcast and individually and like figuring out ways to nurture other people, but also like have that be in alignment with our ultimate goals Goals that we have in mind in some way. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I would read it. So there's a lot of different ways because this card has a moon card, but doesn't have a house Mm -hmm. there because this reading has a moon card, but not a house card. If you had a house card in here, you could say, okay, it's the North node in cancer in my ex house. And then you could read that in more of a traditional astrology component of like, Oh, what that would mean for me is X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z. Yeah. But I think so that it's helpful with like practicing astrological stuff, but that's what makes it not just a beginner deck to me, more of like a, high beginner Mm -hmm. intermediate deck because you definitely need to at least have a concept of some of these structural things in order to not get too wrapped up and confused and like overwhelmed because it's a lot of information. Yeah. I think (laughs) the way it can be used as a beginner deck is like as an altar deck. So if you're starting to get familiar with the signs like every day, like, okay, this, this sign is transiting through this house essentially. Yeah. So getting yourself familiar with the symbols and how things work together for, as a beginner, I would suggest using it as like an altar deck as to help instead of maybe in doing it just as a Oracle reading, also learning, doing it as a learning tool as well. And by that Esther means like literally pull out the cards, cards that yeah. are, happening in the astrological realm and put those on your altar, right. not like shuffle them and hope that something, something comes out useful yeah. comes out, but actually intentionally selecting those yeah. cards and then kind of using them to meditate. Yeah. On. Cause you can um, like what Astro daily, I think is one of the, and it'll have a chart for the day and you could just pick maybe just from the house cards, draw a house and see like, yeah. okay, well the, my, in my fifth house, I have this and this. So let me pull those two cards out and focus on that. You can kind of, do it that way as well as like, again, something learning or just to kind of focus on, okay, so today this may be the big thing going on and influencing my life. So, yeah. And so I, oh my God, today is going to be interesting. <laughs> I really like the time passages oh, app. Yeah, time I, passages, I, I yeah. use it for my chart and it also does like current astrological stuff. Uh, but the sun is in cancer and the moon is in Scorpio yeah, until is. the end of the day today. <laughs> It's also void, of course, so I guess it'll be okay. But it like will tell you if you click on any of those kind of what that actually means. Mm-hmm. And then you can also look at your own chart and then look at the transits for the day, including like today or in the future. I think you might have to pay a dollar extra or whatever for that access. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of apps that can help you figure out what's going on with like the transits and stuff like that. If right. That's something that appeals to you. Yeah. Super cool. Oh, wow. So many feelings. So many feelings. This cancer season oh, and Scorpio moon. Yeah, seriously. Um, but let's, so yeah, I think I really like it. It's so pretty also. So that I think the, the gold touches think is so the best gold inlay I've ever had in a deck. It does it perfectly in my opinion. So yeah, totally. It's just the right amount. So tell me about your favorite cards. I have a lot because I love this deck. Okay, so I just doing this as a set. The new moon and the full moon are just so beautiful. Yeah. I just love, like, the full moon, of course, is like the bright, shiny ball in the middle, and the new moon is like an empty ball. But I just think that these are, and they have, like, the meanings at the bottoms, like what we have in our Wildly Tarot deck. Hey. Um, So I just self promo. I know. I didn't mean to, but it just came out. Um, hey, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I'm fine 
with it. I'm not mad. Let's do it. Yeah. So I, but I really like the way that the words are on the cards themselves are not overwhelming. They're not obtrusive. It's a minimalist deck. I know it's deck. so wild because even in the, even in the house, house cards, cards where there's like full blown a yeah. paragraph of text, it still doesn't seem that overwhelming. It doesn't. And so I just really like this as a minimalist deck. Um, it's just beautiful. Okay. So lots of Leo coming at you. Okay. We have the sun. The sun has a Leo. So the sun is of course like the Leo, the sun, the Leo is yeah. here. So the sun is associated the sun, with is, it is, Leo. Yeah. It's immediately associated. So then I was like, huh, does that mean that there's not a Leo card? Cause technically the Leo sign is on the sun and no, <laughs> there is a Leo card. So there's lots of Leo in this deck. So there's actually like a Leo card. So the sun is on the Leo card, the, oh, the yeah. astrological constellation sign. As well as the fifth house is the sun and Leo. So yeah. like, I just really, I just like all those connections. I would not have associated myself looking at a chart. I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. It kind of helps make those connections yeah. because that's like the confusing thing about reading a chart. If you're unfamiliar with it is like the, each constellation has an association with both a planet and a house yes. in addition to standing on its own. Yes. So if you're, if you hear somebody say, I guess I could just do one of my own so that I don't fuck it up, make something up and sound like a complete dumbass. Um, but like if somebody says, uh, actually let's use, sorry, I'm trying to get to an appropriate app. That's fine. Move it. (laughs) Load. Okay. So if somebody said my son sign is in Taurus in the fifth house, Mm -hmm. somebody could say, the fifth house is ruled by Leo. I don't know. Yeah, the fifth Leo. Uh, Leo. Yeah, that's what's and it's uh, so the fifth house. It has a big paragraph, so it's by the sun and Leo. Is the fifth house okay? So the fifth house is ruled by Leo, and I have Taurus in that house. And my son is in Taurus in that house. In that so house. it's like. Three components. Right. Normally people who are not experts like me would just be like, oh, my son is in Taurus. Right. But if you want additional insight into what that means for the way that I'm interacting with the world or within myself, including the house is helpful. But since people say this house is ruled by this sign, it can feel like what, too very much overwhelming. Yes, very. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I like so the having cards. the signs yeah. is helpful because it both helps you remember the glyphs, yes. which I'm really bad at. Yeah. Like the little, you know, signs. Yeah. But also it helps with those associations. Yeah. And I think it helps compartmentalize things as well. Like, okay, so here's a physical card of a house. So if I put my house, my Leo card in my house, okay, it's living in this house. So it's like a very nice visual teaching aid because I'm a teacher and this is what we do. Yeah. So totally. I just really appreciate that as a learning tool, but also it like, I just feel like spreading them all up on the ground, like everything in transit, like live, like seeing what's going on would be so yeah, fascinating would be to me. So cool. So cool. Yeah, totally. So anyway, you need to get a giant round table <laughs> Ooh. or risk a dog getting That's a hold true. of one. I know. I'm like we're, <laughs> we're, we're tempting fate here. Um, another favorite card is Stellum because I just believe, I just believe that oh, it's, so, it's pretty. so pretty. It's like, like so, a half moon. The interesting thing about having a deck that is just using gold gilt mm-hmm. rather than having like shading and stuff like that is that it is, so simplified and graphic Uh and like poppy like it just pops out at you and there's a lot of like simple line work it almost feels like a lot of cards have sort of a sacred geometry component almost yes 
And so that card is a perfect example of it because it feels so like, I don't know. It's like, it feels so woo woo sacred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels so woo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I also really like Lilith because I really love that little droplet down. Like, do you see that little detail yeah, of that little, so cute. little boom sort of thing? I just yeah. love that. Cause we, sometimes we see Lilith and I'm getting to know Lilith because I got a reading from Benabelle. And so learning how that has impacted me has really been helpful. So but it was just also like it, at the top, it says repressed desires. And it's like, oh, OK. So I get what that kind of influences, how that influences me. Yeah, and totally. Like and my final one is Mars, because I love that fucking helmet in the middle of Mars. Because you I know, know that it's Mars like a, is always like influencing you to fight with people. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's like a Spartan helmet. It is. It's so cool. So I think it's just really cool to see that like immediately you get the sense of what Mars is about. And that's kind of yeah, with, like totally. all the cards like, oh, okay. So the sun is like this. The sun is bright and happy and sunshiny. Mars is like, it wants to fight you at all the time, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. So I, that immediate, even though you would not think with a, just a gold gilding, you get an emotional reaction from it. You do. Yeah. The deck was totally just really, do. really well designed. Yeah. And then your favorite cards. Did we have any other Oh, that was your last one. Yeah, that was my last one. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I could do more. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I loved every single moon card, yes. but my favorites were the new moon and the waxing crescent moon, just because I love the waxing crescent moon, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I mean, sometimes it gets a little bit stressful because I want to be accomplishing so much stuff, yeah. but I really think that it's actually very beautiful. And then I love the void of course. Yeah. Card. The void of course is really pretty. It's just like a field of stars. And I think that that's like the beauty of this whole deck is how just graphic and stunning it is. And that card particularly, I've never really like felt that linked with Void, of course, Mm -hmm. before. And this really both was a really pretty card and also helps me kind of understand the sort of idea of like it being limbo and it just being like a snapshot and the sky is just kind of like still in that moment almost yeah so i don't know i really like the void of course and then obviously all of the moon cards are fantastic all of the um what the fuck constellation cheese my brain is completely (laughs) melting it's fine what is wrong with me uh all of the constellation cards are really really cool too Mm -hmm. and i do struggle a lot with recognizing glyphs not as much with planets, but with the constellations. constellations. Okay. I'm the opposite. Like I know the ones, I know the constellation glyphs that are in my chart. Right. Okay. But then the other ones I'm like, what? What? Yeah. So the, it's, I just can, I, I, it didn't occur to me to use this almost like as like a flashcard thing, okay. but it really would be super helpful to yeah. separate stuff out. And I think that that's the other way to use this is to separate it into types of cards. Uh huh. And then use each of those separately as learning tools. And just don't worry about having those cards separated from the deck. Right. Be careful with them. Don't like, you know. Lose them. Put them in a purse. Right. Loosey goosey. (laughs) But like, don't, you don't have to keep all the cards together if you're using them for a learning tool. Yeah. Did you have any WTF cards? Not really. I tried to find some, but I really didn't. Like even like looking at paragraphs, everything kind of made sense. It wasn't like, why is this freedom fucking card here? There wasn't anything like that. So. There was one card that I was like, I don't know how useful it would be for me. I think it was one of the, um, hold on. Kazemi. Kazemi. Oh yeah. Kazemi is a, is a rare astrological event that happens when a planet center is in close conjunction with the sun. 
It was introduced in medieval astrology, but they don't even use it anymore. And so that was the only one that I was kind of like, eh, yeah, but maybe just know. for like an or sake of Oracle, that would be. Yeah, useful. exactly. Exactly. For the sake of it being a good Oracle deck, it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, one other thing that I wanted to mention before we pull a card for our represent or for our relationship with the deck is that there's a bibliography in the back. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I love that. That was the, the seriously, this guidebook puts other tarot guidebooks to shame. Really good, yeah. Good. So there's, it's like both books and also websites mm-hmm. for uh, more information. And I found that really, really yeah. helpful. Yeah, I you love. You can definitely guidebook. use this as a jumping off. Point. Definitely. All right, let's pull cards for our relationship with the deck. And do we want let's to do if- like we did last week, where we draw a card and then read the paragraph in the book? Yeah, I like I that. Like that for this deck, especially since we're not really familiar with a lot of Alaska. Alaska photographer. Did you hear that? <laughs> Alaska photographer. <laughs> that sounds like you're mapping Alaska. <laughs> I know. Our astrological stuff. I think it'd be helpful to kind of give our listeners a sneak peek. Totally. Totally. I pulled Capricorn. <laughs> I got, we are the age of Aquarius. I got that one. Oh, awesome. I Aquarius. I don't, That's funny. Do you have any Aquarius? No, I don't like chart? Aquarius. Aquarius is the, is the sign, according to Ben and Bell, that I hate the most, I believe. Oh, It's shoot. either Aquarius or Sagittarius. One of those. I hate the most. <laughs> My brother's a Sagittarius. Okay, so Capricorn says, dates, December 22nd to January 19th. Also, for those of you who have not heard me talk about this a thousand <laughs> times, which I would be truly shocked, Capricorn is where my moon and my rising sign are. No, Capricorn, my moon and rising sign were bo- are both in Capricorn. Yes, and your husband's a Capricorn, so. <laughs> and my husband's a Capricorn sun. So Capricorn is like an energy that I am very familiar with. Um, so element earth, ruling planet, Saturn, modality, cardinal, body rulership, the knees, bones, joints, skin, and teeth. And then the blurb says, as the 10th sign of the Zodiac, Capricorn values hard work and efficiency the most. Ruled by Saturn, they place importance on tradition and following processes to ensure that things are done the correct way. I just think that I just, okay, sorry. <laughs> Hold on one second. Okay. I'll explain why I love that so much. Okay. Independent, disciplined, and goal-oriented, Capricorn people focus on making sure their expectations are met. When out of balance, Capricorn can have a cynical attitude, fall into pessimism, or be too concerned about other people's opinions. Okay, the reason that I'm laughing at that. Okay. I'm always trying to encourage people to explain processes to students rather than just saying, like, you need to do this, then you need to do this. Uh I'm always like... My method of academic advising is always explaining, like, then it will go to this person. And then if you don't hear back within this amount of time, email me and we can blah, blah, blah. Uh Like, I'm always trying to really explain the process. And also, my Nathan's actual job is, or for a really long time now, he's doing more supervising of people, was doing, creating, like, documentation of processes Uh for this software that he works on. (laughs) I literally, it didn't occur to me until just now that my explaining the process Uh so specifically is completely linked with my Capricorn. I always just thought that it was because I thought everyone, I always thought maybe I'm being too patronizing (laughs) that like these people don't care that much about it. And I'm like giving them way too much information. But now I'm realizing 
that it's coming from a place of wanting them to understand the process because then it also makes me feel less authoritarian. Right. Like I'm not just saying you need to X, Y, Z. I'm explaining why. Right. And that's part of that process. Right. It's more empowering than it is like holding all the power to yourself sort of stuff. Yeah. And then the, uh, the second part of why that makes me laugh is that uh, when Nathan was a high schooler, his senior superlative was biggest complainer. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that I've even mentioned that on the podcast before, but it just makes me laugh so hard. So he was an unbalanced Capricorn as a high schooler, which makes sense. So he was very pessimistic. (laughs) Now I don't, the funny thing about that, the reason that makes me laugh so much is that he's not at all a complainer. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Like he is like, he's balanced. One of the most, yeah, he's, he's found his balance in the Capricorn, but it still makes me laugh really hard That's to really think about cute. like 17 year old Nathan getting just full blown called out by his whole class, by his whole class. Mine was loudest, oh. which also is, feels like a, just As a call out. Almost. Somebody just shining a light on you and being like. I see you. I see you. Biggest complainer. Actually, we hear you first, but we got you. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. The amount of times in my life somebody has walked around a corner and be like, I knew that was you. I could hear you from across the quad or whatever. I love that. (laughs) So what did you pull? And I am Aquarius. Aquarius. I have Aquarius. So those dates are January 20th to February 18th. The element is air. The ruling planet traditionally is Saturn and Uranus. And the modality is fixed and body rulership is the breathing, calves, circulatory system, vision, and legs. And I like that it has the glyphs there for you to see as well. Yeah. Like everything. And so I'm like, thank you. So Aquarius is the 11th sign of the Zodiac. Um, Aquarius surrounds themselves with an air of mystery. Ruled by Uranus, they tend to be humanitarians and very people-oriented. Their biggest values are individualism, innovation, and freedom. Often unpredictable and unique in their nature, Aquarius people like to stand out from the crowd. When out of balance, Aquarius can become rebellious, emotionally detached, and eccentric to some extent. I get why Aquarius would be difficult for you. Yeah. The unpredictability and the... The like, and like, excuse me, please chill the fuck out for, you know, like, stop, come well, back yeah, here. you really... Like, reining them You really them in. like to be able to, like, yeah, you like to be able to kind of, like get a handle yes. on people because of the Cancerian thing. And, like you yeah. need to know how to help them. Yes. And Aquarius is like, Excuse- not no. as easy to. And the individualism, I'm very jealous that they can be individuals without being judged. Uh, like, excuse me, who gave you the right? Constantly worried. Who gave you the right to be Who gave you the right to not take personal responsibility for climate change? Yeah, exactly. Like I do. <laughs> exactly. So I like, this is like, you know, the, the, the Oracle aspect was nice and meaningful for today. So thank you for that. Yeah, totally. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, I think that this deck is just really cool. I know. I really like this I'm deck into it. so much. All right. So next week we are going to talk about mythical creatures, tarot from Baba studios. And that's our show. Uh, we have had a dearth of questions lately. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm glad that everyone's life is going so well, but <laughs> Don't go so if, well anymore. We refuse. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. If you ha- need any help with any life questions that tarot can help with or just tarot questions that you need some insight into, you can fill out our contact form uh, or our question form at wildlytarot.com and uh, or you can message it to us in other ways. That's just the easiest for us to keep track of. And we would love your input. Yeah. And also, as usual, tell your friends about us and re- review us. Because I think, like, the friend-to-friend personal stuff is, like, 
how we most enjoy you recommending yeah. our podcast. Like yeah, reviews totally. really like mean something to us, but like the friend to friend sort of thing is like super like yeah. what we really enjoy. It feels so good to see people when they ask to join our Facebook group, be like, oh, my friend so-and-so said you were great or yeah. whatever. Like that feels really good. Or if we're in witchy groups and somebody asks for podcast recommendations and we see one of you suggest Wildly Tarot like that. If one of you like beat be... us to this thread and say, Wildly Tarot podcast is amazing. We're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you thank so you. much. <laughs> but we are super close to 100 iTunes reviews. Yes. We're at 95. So yeah. that would be pretty exciting. So if you are willing to give us five stars, do it. If you only want to give us three stars, don't bother. We don't need we don't need your review. It's cancer uh, season. We can't handle it. Yeah, exactly. We will cry. It will be. It will difficult. happen. Esther won't come out into the podcast for three weeks if that happens. I know. We'll wait till Leo season for Esther to emerge from her shell. Uh, you can also follow follow us on Instagram at Wildly Tarot Podcast. Join our Facebook community by searching Wildly Tarot Podcast, or join our Discord server via the link in our show notes. And as always, we have merch from Redbubble. So I don't know if Holly's gotten that mask yet, but we... No, I haven't, but I will. <laughs> but she will. I will. Eventually, she will get that mask. Yes. So we are very big <laughs> mask people. So wear your mask and oh, yeah, buy yeah, our merch. Yeah. We're still in a pandemic, people. We're still in a wear pandemic. Mask. <laughs> yes. And remember, go forth and tear wildly this week. We love you so much. We love you so much. <laughs>